Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Fire You Camp It Out. My name is Melvin. I want to thank you so much for being here. I want to talk about slavery. I want to talk about the Violence Against Women Act. And I want to talk about the AAPI issues as well as some other things that have been on my mind. But let us start with this. Um, so I spend an awful lot of time in both Oregon and Washington. Such is the benefit uh, of living on the border of the two states. I live in one and I, I work in both. And the thing that I've seen in these two states, and by the way, these are these are blue states. These are deep blue states. And one of the reasons these states are so deep blue is because we allow everybody to vote. We don't have uh, long-ass poll lines. Uh, we aren't going into African-American neighborhoods and taking away all the, all the polling places. Um, we li- if you want to vote here, you register to vote, the damn ballot shows up at your house. And I generally spend at least a half an hour, sometimes an hour or better, just filling out my ballot. And on top of the ballot, there's also a, a little book that comes with it that, ex- that has all the candidate statements and all of the issues and an argument for the issue and an argument against the issue, an argument you know, for this person and against this person. It's really informative. So I'll spend a couple of hours reading that little booklet. And then, of course, I don't like the television ads. And then, of course, I'll spend a half an hour or better sometimes actually voting on my ballot. That's during a presidential election year. So this year, a ballot will go out for sure, but there will only be a couple of initiatives on it. Maybe maybe a special election for a, for a seat that got emptied out for some reason. So I might only spend maybe 10 minutes on that one, but I vote every single year. And it just automatically comes to my house. Sometimes I don't even know that there's an election until that thing shows up at my house. And then Melvin's got to get on it. I got to find a way to uh, educate myself about the things that are on this ballot because I've never not mailed back a ballot. I always mail back my ballot and it's easy. I love it. It's fabulous. We'll get to that in a minute. But in these two states, I I see the same thing from uh, a good chunk of our population. So um, maybe they won't be wearing a mask. Or if they are wearing a mask, their mask will say something like, uh, my governor is an idiot or my governor is a moron. Kate Brown is the governor of Oregon. Of course, Jay Inslee is the, or, is the, is the Washington uh, governor. And everybody says they're effing morons. Why do they make us cover our faces so that we don't get everybody sick and so that we don't kill a bunch of people. What a bunch of effing morons. And people will get mad about it. And usually it'll say, my governor is a moron. It'll be written right on their mask. And of course, that mask will usually be hanging below their nose or below their chin, on their forehead, over their eyes, because they're clearly blind. And everybody's just mad as hell. You know, for the last year, how dare they close everything down? And I get it. It's frustrating. It's awful. But um, it is a pandemic. It was a pandemic. It still is a pandemic. But they're morons, which is productive, obviously, right? Just calling your governor a moron. You call them a moron. It hurts their feelings. They resign. You get to put somebody in there who you don't think is a moron, who, of course, would just throw everything up, uh, open, uh, let everybody get sick, let everybody die. It's the American way. It's freedom. So there was a report that the New York Times did about the way Seattle handled things. And, of course, 
um, we were the epicenter. Washington State was the epicenter for a long time. It's likely it's it's the likely port or the first port uh, through which coronavirus came in, and Washington got the cases first and got the cases the fastest. Uh, the Seattle area specifically. So the thing that we did in Seattle that these people are calling moronic is we started shutting everything down, asking everybody to stay home, asking people to mask up. And even though we were the first ones to really have this problem, um, we got control of it the fastest. And then over the course of the pandemic, which is a, which is a year old now, um, unhappy birthday pandemic. Over the course of that year, we now know what we did. And because we can look at the numbers in the other states where they did very little or they did absolutely nothing. And the report from the New York Times says, um, had the entire country, think about this, had the entire country did what Seattle did, it would have saved 300,000 lives. Think about that. Now, it's a pandemic, so there's no way to save them all. But we're at about 546,000 deaths right now, right? We got to 200,000, 300,000, and 400,000 pretty quickly because of the way we do things. We insist on doing things the wrong way because freedom. But uh, uh, now that we're at 546 or or whatever the number is, I know it's over five, about five and a half hundred thousand. Now that we're there, it's slowing down pretty good nationwide. Um, you know, we have a president that believes in science and the pandemic and is asking everybody to mask up. And of course, there's a rule that's supposed to be coming out of OSHA pretty quick uh, that states that you it's mandatory to wear masks in the workplace. And if that happens, it doesn't matter if you live in one of these brain dead, backward ass redneck states, uh, you're still going to have to wear a mask at work because, sorry, saving people's lives. But had everybody did what Seattle, it could have saved three hundred thousand lives so i just for those of you in the uh pro-life movement i just have to ask is there anything more pro-life than saving folks or is it just about the babies being born uh honestly uh asking for a friend three hundred thousand lives and so how many lives did we actually save around here i suppose it doesn't matter because we lost so many people and we lost them so needlessly. And there are still people that walk around with the hats and the t-shirts and have the bumper stickers on their car that say that Kate Brown is a moron and Jay Inslee is a moron. You know, in, the, in Washington State uh, last year, 36, I'm pretty sure I talked about this, 36 people ran for governor against him because they're pretty sure that they could do a better job. And one of the number one things that they said is they would just kick open the doors on bars and restaurants to hell with everything. Who cares? Let's get sick up in here. And what we did saved a bunch of lives. And this is what happens when the grownups are in charge. The decisions are not easy. The decisions are not popular. But if the point is to save lives, you have to ask yourself, 
especially in the deep red states. Florida, you're, you're, you're your own animal for sure. You have to ask yourselves, why do you do what you do? Let's talk about the other thing that makes Washington and Oregon great. We ha- we, as I mentioned before, all of that mail-in balloting. Everybody gets to vote. You register, you're, you're, a, you're a resident, you know, you're a legal citizen. Boom, you get to vote. What about all the illegals? Oh, shut up. I'm not talking to you people today. And it's just mailed to your house. And you used to have to put a stamp on it to send it back, but then, you know, our local legislature passed a bill, and now you don't have to put a stamp on it to send it back. You fill it out, you drop it in any blue box, and Bob's your uncle. Boom, you voted. And there's a way to go online and check to see that your vote was counted. It's the easiest effing thing ever. We have high turnout in in all of our elections, and why not? Why not do this nationwide? So Steve Scalise... um, White power congressman uh, said every, he tweeted this out, it was amazing. Every single American should be outraged at the fact that Congress is trying to expand voting rights. The For the People Act, which would overturn all of the vote or most of the voter suppression in a lot of the states that are trying to implement tons of voter suppression right now. There's 253 bills, 253 major bills. Um, in 43 out of 50 states in these United States uh, where they are trying to make voting harder and specifically harder for black folks. So one of the things that a lot of these bills bans is what's called souls to the polls. This is the Sunday before Election Day, which is generally held on a Tuesday, where after church, everybody goes to the polls. And uh, the black, it's, it's something that the, that the black churches overwhelmingly do. So banning souls to the polls, um, it's pretty clear that what's happening there is they're trying to stop uh, black folk from voting. But see, these churches don't say, after church today, let's all go vote for the Democrat. That's not what they say. They say, hey, everybody should vote. Whoever you're going to vote for, we don't care. To the polls! And because a lot of those folks are African-American, because this is this program is largely with the African-American churches, they, in these states, Georgia, Texas, Louisiana, they know that a lot of black folk turn out on, on Sunday. So they just, nope, absolutely not. You cannot have that. Um, removing drop boxes from majority African-American areas. This is... It doesn't say remove the drop boxes from largely African-American areas, but it does say in these bills that you should reduce the amount of drop boxes in this county and that county and this county and that county too. And those counties just happen to be majority African-American strongholds, which tend to vote 98% or better, 96% or better for the Democratic candidate. And then there's line warming. Ladies and gentlemen, have you heard about this? It's called line warming. And because, especially in the African-American areas in these deep red states, they do everything they can to make voting as hard as possible. Now, they don't stop you from voting, but they they make sure that the, the voting places are, are understaffed and overwhelmed, and there's not enough boxes, and there's not enough workers, and you can sit in line 5, 6, 8, 10, 
12 hours to vote. You got to take the entire day off from work so that you can vote. And this, these are Republicans, 100% Republicans that are doing this because they don't want you voting. So what is line warming? Well, that's where people show up to encourage people, please stay in line. Here is something to eat. Here is something to drink. Here is an umbrella because it is now pissing down rain outside. They knew this was going to happen and they were hoping that when, when it rained, perhaps all the darkies would go home. And, and, and you're not. So here, here, take an umbrella. It's crap that this kind of stuff happens. And it's even worse that it's largely happening to African Americans. But it is now going to become a felony in states like Georgia and Texas to line warm, which is to feed and water and give assistance to people in line. It's going to become a felony if somebody's standing in line for a long-ass time in one of these deep red states where they're trying to stop people from voting. It's now going to become a felony if you assist them in staying in line longer. A felony. What are you in for? Line warming. What are you in for? Jesus Christ, have you no soul. All right, we, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we got to talk about the Constitution. Oh, Mr. Melvin, do we have to? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. We have to talk about the Constitution. It's very important. Yeah, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but do you know, and if you've got your pocket constitution with you, and I do, uh, you should take a look at the 13th Amendment. And I'm quoting here, uh, Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as punishment where crime, uh, for crime where of the party shall have been uh, duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction, which is, it says, snow. To slavery. There is no slavery unless you're convicted of a crime. Then, yes, slavery. And I don't think people realize this. I think because we don't have uh, African Americans being sold in public anymore, and, and you know, you don't got the, you know, the the, the plantations and all the rest. You, it, it doesn't look like it does in Roots. Um, I think because of that, people go, oh, so slavery is not a thing anymore. Slavery doesn't exist. Uh, slavery does exist still. And I remember becoming conscious of this uh, as a teenager. And I remember when he said that, and he goes, ah, slavery is abolished except for in the prison system. And I go, oh, Ice, you're so funny. <laughs> I, didn't think it, I didn't think it was real. I go, Why? well, you know, you're, if you're in prison, that doesn't make you a slave. I was a dumb kid. What did I know? And then I learned about the 13th Amendment. I go, holy hell, it's right there. And this is how, if somebody is incarcerated, the, the state can get away with paying them, you know, 10 cents an hour to do dishes or, or sweep floors or press license plates, which I don't know how many states really do that anymore. And it's because it's in the Constitution that, yes, as long as you're locked up, you can still be treated like a slave, paid like a slave. And then, then... We lock up tons and tons and tons of African-American people. And that's, of course, if, if they actually get to the jail, like they're not murdered while they're being arrested, which seems to happen a whole lot more to African-American folks. So with that, there's a lot of states that are, that are pushing the feds to, to ban 
outright. Slavery as a whole. Not in prisons, not anything, not anymore. Okay? Um, and there's a few states that in their in their own state constitutions that are going, holy hell, our state constitution still allows for slavery. So to amend the constitution is a heavy, heavy, heavy lift. And it's it's really unlikely that we're going to be able to overturn the 15th amendment even though it allows for slavery but in the separate in the separate states the individual states the old states rights thing right that's very possible because all you got to do is get a majority of your state to say hey slavery bad so tennessee uh had an anti-slavery bill uh came up senator Forgive me if I mispronounce her name. Uh, Ramesh Akbari uh, from Memphis sponsored the bill to prohibit slavery in all, all circumstances, okay? And most folks voted for it. But there was, however, four GOP congressmen that said no, absolutely not. Um, Senator Frank Nicely, it's too bad. Nice is right in your name. Uh, Senator Brian Kelsey, Senator Janice Bowling, and Senator uh, Joey Hensley all voted against taking uh, slavery out of the state's constitution. And you go, oh my God, they like slavery. <sighs> Did they say they like slavery? No, they didn't. They didn't say they like slavery. Uh, uh, no, no, they found a weasel way out of it. One of the dudes said, well, this doesn't do nothing. Some will vote against it. Well, if it does nothing, then go ahead and vote for it. And another dude said, this is just a big waste of time. And this has got nothing to do with anything in freedom in America. And so on. And, and they all had dumb excuses like that. None of them really copped to the fact that they like slavery. But uh, I'm noticing a, a trend here with um, the GOP. You don't want black folks voting. Okay. You don't want any sort of police reform that would um, stem the flow of police murdering unarmed black men. Okay? Um, you don't want slavery taken out of the country's constitution, nor do you want it taken um, out of the state constitution. I I'm trying to understand what what the party stands for. Now, I understand political spectrums, and I understand progressive and conservative, um, and depending on what party you belong to, where you land on that spectrum. And most parts of that spectrum, uh, I could make a case for. Like being on that spectrum, I can make a case for being conservative. I can make a case for being progressive. Um, I can't make a case for the you know, the, the polar opposites, which is to say, I guess that would be the, the Nazis and the fascists on the right, you know, or the, or the, the flat out uh, communists on the left. I, I can't make a case that far on the spectrum, but I could make a case sort of from the middle out in either direction. Um, but I, I, the folks that are uh, uh, against getting rid of slavery and don't want black, black folks voting and don't want to do anything about police violence. Oh, oh, and it got better this week, ladies and gentlemen. Way better. So, if that wasn't enough, 
if wanting to keep slavery wasn't enough, <laughs> if not wanting to do anything about police reform wasn't enough, and so on and so forth, um, how about the House resolution? So this is the federal government. The House resolution condemning. It does nothing. It just condemns. It says it's terrible. It's a bad idea to beat up Asians. It doesn't do anything. So if you use violence against Asians, the House resolution, the 2020 House resolution, uh, said, hey, uh, no more. It's just, just when our, our Asians are attacked in America, and they're being attacked a lot right now, um, this says the House condemns that. It's that simple. It doesn't make a new law or anything. It's just a condemnation. And 164 GOP members voted against it. Why? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm having trouble understanding what y'all stand for. Do you know that... Um, so the, the, the Democrats and the Republicans... Um, rewrite their platform every year. They update it, they put some things in, they take some things out, and then they run for president. This happens every four years. They have a major convention where they rewrite it. And in the 2020 presidential election, the Republicans did not write a platform. I can't remember the last time that happened. I don't remember who the uh, conservative candidate was in 2020, but the GOP effectively said, um, whatever that guy believes, that's what we believe in. And they didn't bother writing a platform. And they didn't bother writing what that guy believed in because what that guy believes in tends to change on, a, on an hourly basis. So they just said, well, whatever he believes in, that's what we believe in. The anti-Asian violence is off the charts right now. And I'm deeply concerned about it as should everybody. Um, and it seems to come from the blame um, on China. For, well, it's a couple things. One, um, blaming China for the coronavirus because, you know, we know some of the earlier cases showed up there. Um, and, of course, you've got the last president calling it the Asian flu and the China flu and the Kung flu and all these other things, which just made people hate Chinese people more and more. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the last president also said that China was interfering with the presidential election. And that's how Joe Biden became president. Well, with what we know now uh, from the intelligence reports that just came out is that's not true. Uh, China did not meddle in the election at all. But you know who did meddle in the election like crazy all over again was Russia. But I digress. But so all of the anti-Asian talk. Uh, has put us in this place where uh, Americans feel emboldened to just start attacking Asian people. And so the House says, let's say, no, we, don't, we, we, we condemn this. And Republicans voted no. They said, no, that's just, we don't want to condemn that. So that's the end, right? Like that's, you know, so you've got taking away voting and you got... You know, not wanting to, not wanting police reform, and not wanting to get rid of slavery, and and not wanting to end violence against Asians. So that's that's it, right? Like it doesn't get any worse than that, right? There's no more. Actually, there's one more thing. <laughs> yeah, there's one more thing. I'm I'm sorry, ladies ladies and gentlemen. Um, the Violence Against Women Act. And by the way, 
in the early aughts, like all the way up to the early aughts, the Violence, Violence Against Women Act was a, a, just a universal bill. Like, it was an easy vote. Everyone would vote for it. Violence against women is never okay. Something happened in the middle of the uh, George W. Bush administration. Um, <clears throat> a handful of GOP members started voting against it. And, you know, they got every reason in the world. This, like, with the anti-slavery bill. Well, this doesn't mean anything. It doesn't do anything. So on and so forth. And, well, I just didn't want to vote for it. And, whoops, I just pushed the wrong button and whatever else. Um, so what's happening now? Well, a whole bunch of GOP members also just voted against the Violence Against Women Act. <clears throat> so why? What would be their excuse for that? Are they for violence against women? They said, no, no, no. No, the members that they were able to get an answer out of, uh, a lot of them wouldn't talk, uh, said, no, no, no. <clears throat> they're not promoting violence against women. Uh, but what they're afraid of is if somebody beats up a woman, and this is real, what they're afraid of is that if somebody beats up a woman, they might lose their right to buy a gun. And uh, color me old-fashioned, but if somebody beats up a woman, <laughs> I don't. If you beat up your neighbor, if you kick your dog, I don't. I don't care what the violence is. I think if if you've got a natural inclination to violence. Um, against a, dom a domestic partner or your children or anybody, you shouldn't have a gun. Uh, but for the GOP, they said, God damn it, that's just too much. You can't take their guns away just because they like to beat their women up. Ugh. I'm having trouble understanding what y'all stand for. I'm having trouble understanding where you're coming from and what your ultimate objective is. We have already started around here to get rid of slavery in our local economy. Um, and they're not, they're not necessarily calling it that, but that's, that's largely what it is. So Portland has a, uh, a every, every city in the country has a problem with illegal dumping. Um, throwing things away costs money. Sometimes it can cost a lot of money. Uh, think around here, if you want to throw away a tire, now this isn't what all garbage costs, but if you want to throw away one tire, it's $10 per tire that you want to throw away. So next time you see uh, tires strewn along the side of the highway, you now, hey, those things are expensive to throw away and you can't just put them in the regular old garbage. They're, they're quite expensive um, to process. And that's why when you go to change your tires, um, there's usually a disposal fee because it costs a lot of money. Well, all garbage costs money to throw away because um, it, just, it isn't just magic. It doesn't just go away. So when it becomes a problem, folks go ahead and just take it upon themselves and maybe late at night or maybe in a corner where nobody's looking, they'll just take their garbage and they'll just dump it. And this has happened in, in hundreds of places all over the city of Portland. You know, they, they clean out an apartment or whatever, or it's an old encampment, and people just leave the trash everywhere. Well, uh, what you did was you called something called Metro, and then Metro would send some folks out, generally within a couple of days, to clean up uh, that dump site, whatever that dump site was. Your mattresses, your couches, or whatever else is out there, just piles of needles and human waste or whatever. They come out within a couple days. They clean it all up. Well, um, they used to use, Metro used to use a lot of prison labor for that. And they don't anymore. They said that uh, there's a problem. They don't want to use prison labor anymore. It's effectively slavery. 
and the fact that so many of the folks that are locked up are, are black and brown skin and they're being paid 10 cents an hour to clean up needles and couches and human waste on the side of the road uh, just seems like it's bad. Like that's not, so Metro is hiring people, like real people that are not, they're not making slaves out of them. And you know, they're and they're and those are the folks that, well, there's not a lot of people that want to do that job. And Metro also doesn't have as much money because when they were able to pay somebody 10 cents an hour, it's pretty cheap to clean up a, a dump site. Well, now you got to pay somebody the minimum wage, which is $15. And it's a little harder to to find the money for that. And then, of course, find the people that want to do it. But um, in the spirit of trying to move away from slave labor, that's what they've done. And yes, Portland is dealing with a huge trash problem right now. But slavery should have never been used to begin with. So kudos to the city for making that move. And I hope that we're able to get that stuff cleaned up uh, very, very soon. Um, and with that, I just want to mention one more thing before I get out of here. So the New York Times wrote a piece called uh, The U.S. is not a friendly place to those who pee, which it urinate. Think of a time that you have been out in public and needed to use the restroom. And maybe you ran in somewhere and you bought something because the restroom is for customers only. Well, it's because there's not a lot of public restrooms. And so you do what you can to find yourself a restroom. I remember... I remember partying in downtown Seattle uh, during a Mardi Gras celebration, and uh, there was everybody just going to the restroom in the street. Why? Well, um, it was Mardi Gras, so it was like $10 to get into all the bars, um, and there weren't public bathrooms out there, and the local Starbucks had just had enough of everybody, all the drunken ramblers coming in and, you know, using their bathroom, and so people just went on the street. And think about it. How many public, and I don't mean inside businesses, because those are private businesses, but how many public standalone restrooms are there out in public? And we're one of the few developed countries that has that, where we leave it up to the private businesses if they want to let you in to use the facilities or not. And this is something that should not be happening. Another thing Portland has taken a step towards is uh, I visited downtown recently, and even though it's... It's a bit of a mess right now. Um, they they have a lot of public restrooms out. They've had uh, these things called loos, L O O, uh, for a while, and they've started putting out more of the of the porta johns while they work to put in more permanent facilities. And that's what everybody, every every city should be doing right now. Um, with the next bill that's going to come up and it's likely going to pass through reconciliation in Congress because every single member of the GOP will be voting against it. Um, is going to be an infrastructure bill. And one of the things in that infrastructure bill is, yes, putting restrooms in public places so folks have a place to go because this isn't a third world country. We're a developed nation and th we have a lot of money and there's no reason we can't do this. And it's something that the country's just gotten by for a long time doing, not giving folks a place to go. But that's one of the things that hopefully will be changing in the new infrastructure bill. Um, I would love to talk more about the infrastructure bill. I'd love to get to the bottom of why 
you know, the GOP is doing, the things that they're doing right now. Um, I, I think that part, that party is going to have to have a reckoning. Something is going to have to change them. Stop awarding them with your votes uh, <laughs> while they keep doing these um, horrible, unexplainable things. You know, all right. So anyway, I, I'm going to bounce. I've taken up a ton of your time, um, but I want to thank you for being here on the fire you can't put out. Uh, our official home is tfycpo.podbean.com. Uh, <laughs> questions, comments, hate mail, just a general statement or inquiry, you can email us at tfycpo at gmail.com. We work hard to not only inform, but also to entertain and to keep a dialogue with you. Listener, we are the fire you can't put out, and we will prevail, rejecting austerity in favor of prosperity. Special thanks to Kevin for producing, and thank you for listening. This is Melvin. Signing off. And now that I've woke you up... Good morning.